This audio recording is produced by Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous, also known as FA. FA is a program based on the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. It is free and open to anyone who wants to stop eating addictively. The following is one FA member's story of recovery. The opinions expressed here are those of the individual member and do not represent FA as a whole. If you are new or uncertain about FA, we encourage you to listen to several stories to gain an understanding of what the program offers. For information on the FA program, please visit our website, foodaddicts.org. Hello, welcome to this virtual qualification recording of Food Addicts and Recovery Anonymous FA, recorded on Saturday, February 19th, 2022. I am a food addict from Texas. I will share my story of recovery from food addiction. Hi, thank you so much for this opportunity to qualify today. I'm really grateful to be here. I uh, came into FA uh, in 2009, January of 2009, and I was 38 years old. I just turned 50. I came into recovery in the Washington, D.C. area, and then I, I moved to Texas shortly after that when I was just a few months abstinent. Just to give you my numbers, I, I weighed about 35 pounds more than I weigh today when I first came into the program and I've been maintaining that weight loss. I lost it in about five or six months. I did not come into FA at my top weight. I was a yo-yo dieter and I had been trying for literally for decades, every commercial weight loss program that I could find. And right before I came into FA, I was doing one of those. So I had lost some weight already, but I knew that I was on my way back up. That was my pattern, just the up and down, up and down. And it was so exhausting. And when I got here, I was just desperate for another way. I just wanted, I, I knew that I just couldn't continue going on the way that I was. You know, my top weight was probably, I think <laughs> the highest weight I ever saw was 237. I was pregnant at the time but I had only gained about 20 pounds in my pregnancy. So I was still over 200 pounds when I, when I got pregnant oh, and it was such an uncomfortable pregnancy at that weight, you know, and that's kind of a theme through my story is this disease. I feel like it robbed me of enjoying so many things in my life, including my pregnancy that was really a gift was having a sense of that right before I came into program. And I'll get to that, but having this sense that it could be different, that I, that I wanted to be present in my life in a different way. And that the food, my food addiction was keeping me from, from doing that. I believe that I was a food addict from the start. I don't remember a time when food did not light up for me as, and I have very early memories of about I guess about six or seven years old, first or second grade, where I would just, I couldn't wait to get home from school because I would go over to my aunt's house. She lived across the street. My mom was a teacher and she worked. I grew up in New York City and she didn't get home in time to be with us after school. So we went to my aunt's house um, just for an hour or so. And she kept all this food in her house that we did not have at home. My mom was always watching her wait. And I loved going over there, not to be with my cousins, but to, to eat their food. 
And my aunt would give us a normal snack at the table uh, right when we came through the door. And I would look forward to that all day. And then when we were done and my cousins went off to do whatever, play, watch TV, do homework, I just couldn't think about anything else but getting back into that kitchen to get more of what we had. That's a really young age. And no one told me that it was wrong or that it was, you know, that I shouldn't want seconds and thirds. I had that message. I don't know how I got it. And so from that age, I was sneaking the food. I didn't want anyone to see. I was get, going into the kitchen and the way the fridge door was, I could kind of block myself from the where everyone was watching TV. And I was literally eating behind that door, thinking that nobody knew what I was doing and trying to cover it up, trying to move things around in the fridge and in the packages so that nobody would know that I, that I had it. And so, yeah, so just sneaking it and it, and it just took so much mental energy to figure out how I was going to get more food, how I was going to conceal it, just concerned that someone was going to catch me, catch me doing it and catch me in a lie. And so just eating, it just took up so much space in my head and I didn't want to be doing it. Even at that young age, I was like, how can they just go play and not want more food? And so that just really continued that pattern of eating, concealing it, wanting more, and just the weight started coming on at a very young age. I mean, I wasn't obese as a child, but you would definitely call me chubby. And I couldn't fit into the clothes that I wanted to fit into. And that made me hate myself. I didn't have a name for it, but I know now that I had this, this disease of fear, doubt, and insecurity. I was very ashamed of my behavior around food, and I was very insecure about my relationships with friends. I had friends, but I wanted more friends. I wanted different friends. I felt like I wasn't part of the right group, and I, I didn't like spending time alone, and it seemed like I was always the one reaching out to people to make plans. And I just felt like it wasn't enough. Like the food wasn't enough. My social life wasn't enough. And I, yeah, I just had that feeling on the inside that I wasn't good enough. But when I learned that people who had the same behaviors around food and the same thoughts around food also were talking about this, this fear, doubt, and insecurity, it was just like, you know, just the light bulb went off in my head of like, this is what I've been struggling with since I was in grade school. And one thing I was really good at was school. I was good at, you know, I could study. If you told me what to do and what to study, I could get an A. I could check the boxes, you know, and I kind of did that too. I was, I'm very like type A, you know, I think I, I think I was a very high functioning addict. I was an overachiever. And I think I threw myself into the things that I was good at to try to compensate for the things that I was afraid of, for the things that I felt insufficient at. You know, I did really well in school, but I just, just seemed like if I could only get this food thing under control, right? I had this school thing under control, but there was this part of my life that I just couldn't, I couldn't get a hold of. And it just gnawed away at me. And then finally, when I was, I think I was 15, maybe 16, my mom took me to my first commercial weight loss program and I got there and I wanted to do it. You know, she talked to me about it and I wanted to do it. I think at that point I was like in the upper 180s, maybe 180, 
186, 187, something like that. So over 50 pounds overweight. I was probably already almost at my adult height, five, um, five, seven and a half. She took me there. I was mortified. You know, it was all these women who were her age and they said what my weight was when they wrote it down on the card. And I felt just so out of place, but you know, they gave me this, this plan to do. And with the type A person that I was, you know, I could check all the boxes. You literally had to check the boxes. I'm going to eat from this column, this column, this column. And I could do that. And they said, exercise this much. And I did what they said. And I lost the weight. And then I went away for spring break to my uncle's house in Florida. First trip like that that I ever took away from my parents. First time I had ever been on a plane. I think I was 16, went with a friend. And I bought a two-piece bathing suit for that trip and was so excited to wear it, you know, to reach the goal weight that I, they said set for me at that commercial weight loss program. And I went down there in that bathing suit in Florida and my uncle was starting a bakery and he did not have commercial bakery space yet. So he was making it in his house. And so there I was, I didn't know I was addicted to flour and sugar, but I knew I had a problem with food and I had just lost all this weight and I was so excited about it. And I ate on that trip. I mean, I literally ate like an animal. My uncle gave us some of the food, you know, he was excited to share it and show off his new, his new bakery, but it was not enough. He had those metal carts with trays in the living room. And I remember waiting for everyone to go to bed and sneaking out into the living room and eating things that were baked, things that were unbaked, things that were frozen. It just, it didn't matter. I was literally just shoveling it in as fast as I could. And I felt so sick on that trip. And then the outfit that I had worn on the plane on the way there barely fit me on the way back. And the sad part of it is, is that I felt awful and I knew that I didn't want to do it again, like that I wanted to stop that kind of binging, but I, I couldn't, I could have periods of restricting and being on a diet. And then it was just, as soon as that diet, I thought it was over, I got to a goal, then I would go right back to the way that I was eating before. So I just kept searching, searching, searching for the diet for, you know, I thought I had this physical problem. I want to get this weight off. I can't get it off and keep it off. And I thought the right diet is out there somewhere for me. I'm going to find it. It's going to keep me satisfied. It's going to keep me thin. And, and then I will have a happy life. And so I kept searching. So through my teens, 20s, 30s, I kept searching. I kept trying, I spent so much money, kept trying these things. And in the process, I also became an exercise. Well, I know the term now, exercise bulimic. So they came out with these machines. I can't remember, maybe late 80s, early 90s, like treadmills that had the calories on it that you burned. And there I was, I'm analyzing everything, very analytical person, and I see you burn 110 calories. Well, I would get off the treadmill and go find something that was 110 calories and eat it because now I, I deserved it and vice versa. I ate this thing that was 125 calories. I'm going to go on the treadmill and burn that amount off. So I was calculating in my head, not only calculating the diets and what I could have, but also this 
this forensic exercising. And I went to college in a really cold, very hilly place. And I would, in all weather, snow, sleet, freezing rain, whatever, jog down the, it was really kind of like a small mountain, like where the school was down into the town. I would jog down to the gym, which was located in the town. I would then do a step exercise class for like whatever, 60 minutes, maybe longer, work out with weights and cardio machines after that, and then run back up. And I'm doing this all on an overweight body. I'm literally pounding by exercising on an overweight body, thinking that I'm going to somehow balance out what I was eating. In the, I mean, having a meal plan where you just pay where your parents pay and then nobody knows what you're eating and you can just have as much as you want in the, in the college uh, dining halls, that was like a dream for me. I just ate and ate and ate. And balanced it out with the restricting and the exercising. I didn't know the term then also, this is obviously a theme, you know, all these light bulbs were going on in my head, but this mental gymnastics of wanting the food, sneaking the food, trying to cover it up, exercise it off, do the same thing again. And then when I heard that definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results, I was like, oh my God, I have this life that looks like it's all together, but I am insane. And my life is unmanageable because I am literally living to eat. And that's what I thought about in between meals. Well, there was no in between meals, truth be told, because I was a grazer. I was, I was grazing all day, little handfuls of this, little handfuls of that, one of these, one of those. And every time I tried, I was trying to moderate so hard. I thought that's the solution. This is what I'm hearing from all these diet coaches and books. I always read the book that went with the diet. It's very good students. I'm hearing moderation. This is the key. And so I was trying to incorporate moderate amounts of flour and sugar, not knowing that every time I ate it, it was triggering this craving in me that I couldn't control. And so uncontrollable craving, wow, that was just, I was, I never had I never had a name for the things that I was experiencing. And what ended up happening to me is that I went on this vacation with my family. So my kids, I have a son at the time he was four, my daughter was eight, and my husband was in between jobs. It was right before he was finishing up in DC and we were moving to Texas. So he took off some time and we went on this like big splurge vacation for us to an all-inclusive in Mexico with the kids in January. So right before I came in and I'm sitting on that beach, I, I had brought the little diet snacks with me from the program that I was doing and they were in my suitcase. And I thought, you know, I'm going to be good on this trip. And within three days, I am like face down in the food and they literally have food all hours of the day and night. I'm sneaking off after we put the kids to bed to go eat and then like stopping in the bathroom in the lobby to like wipe food off of my mouth and then go back to the room so that my husband wouldn't see that I've been literally stuffing my face. And so I'm eating my way through this trip and I'm sitting on the beach one morning and I've got, I feel like I have a shelf on my belly. I've got this, this sweet drink that um, they were making for breakfast on feeling like I'm resting it on that shelf and a beautiful day on the beach. And I'm watching these other moms playing with their kids on the beach. 
they're bending over, they're picking up toys, they're running after their kids, they're in their bathing suits going in the water. And I'm sitting on that chair, not wanting to get up with my cover up on, not wanting to go play with my kids, thinking I'm not bending over to get anything on the sand because I'm not letting anyone see me at that angle, like just feeling so self-conscious in my own skin. And realizing in that moment that like, I guess this was my first moment of realizing how self-centered I was because I'm sitting on that chair thinking about my weight and my body and my cover-up when I could be playing with my kids. Like I had that moment of like, I'm so caught up in my own head and so wrapped around the axle with food and weight that I'm not enjoying with my family and realizing that other families are having a good time. And so I'm sitting on that chair and I'm looking out at the water. And I really think this was the first time that I spoke to a higher power about my food addiction. I'll just take a little sidebar here. I had a religion and I believed in God, but I did not have any kind of personal relationship with God. I didn't pray outside of like holidays and sort of ritualistic kind of prayer. But in that moment, I looked out at the water and I just said to the horizon, I just said, there has to be another way. And I didn't know who I was talking to and I didn't really know what I was saying, but I just couldn't do it anymore. I I had that thought of like, it's got to end. And you would think like, oh, so profound. She then didn't stuff her face the rest of the trip. No, she did. She finished it up. She stuffed her face. But I said, I knew of someone who was doing something with food, some kind of program. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it was called. I didn't know it was 12 step. But I knew that she had weighed 280 pounds in her teens and part of her 20s. And then she was 130 pounds. We worked together and she had been kept that 150 pounds off for like, I think it was like 12 years at the time. And so I had that in my head. So in that moment, I thought, when I get back to DC, I am going to talk to her. I am going to tell somebody that I have a problem with food and I'm going to get help. But I was going to eat until I did that. So there I am. I somehow rationalized this in my head. So I do that and I get, you know, and the outfit again, this pattern, the outfit I wore, like the sweatpants and a zip up sweatshirt that I wore on the plane, I couldn't zip it. That's how much I gained in just that week at the resort. I could barely, I mean, I did zip it, but I could, it was so uncomfortable. It left marks on me when I, when I zipped it up. And so I wore that home. I was so miserable. I came home. I opened the fridge because I knew her program was no flour, no sugar. I opened, I put a chair in the fridge. I sat on the chair and I started throwing away everything in the fridge that says that it has sugar in it. I mean, I was like, I was nuts. And my husband is like, what are you doing? And I'm like, things are just outdated. I'm just going to throw them away because this was my pattern. These programs that I had tried, I thought I was this person who had it together and here I'm this overachiever. And, and I thought every time I tried something new, I was going to do it. I was going to read the book. I was independently going to try to do this on my own. I didn't want to tell anybody because if I failed, I didn't want people to know. 
And I, and I started out the same way with wanting to try FA. I thought, I'm going to do this in secret. It doesn't turn out that way, you know, because I have these little kids and I have to go to, well, I wanted to go to meetings. So anyway, I go to work. I tell my friend, I want to do what you do. And she says to me, she says, you need to, she says, you can't do what I do alone. She says, you need to get a sponsor and you need to go to meetings. And just that line, you can't do what I do alone. I mean, that just like hit me right between the eyes because I didn't want to ask anybody. I was willing to ask her for help, I guess, in that moment, but I didn't really want other people to know. And I didn't want to have to admit what I, what was going on with food in my head. But I went to that first meeting and I didn't know I was a food addict, but I heard everyone talking about what food addiction was. And I heard the 12 steps. And I saw thin people who said they had been overweight for a really long time. And they'd also been thin for a while. And I thought that was like a miracle. Like I really didn't know that it was possible to be that overweight and lose weight and keep it off. I never heard this idea that I didn't only have a physical problem. I also had a mental and spiritual problem. I thought it was just that one 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 piece that I had to work on, find the right diet, lose the weight. But I heard a lot of spirituality in that room. I heard people talking about God. I did not get it. I heard people talking about gratitude, service, you know, the things that are now in my vocabulary, but were not then. And I just, the big thing was I heard hope. And hearing hope in that room that it was possible to live differently and and put the food in its place was so powerful to me. And to hear people talk about food the way I thought about food and describe it as a mental obsession, I just was like, I'm, I'm home. This is where I belong. These are my people. And people were so friendly and started calling me after that meeting. And, you know, and it wasn't easy. I had the little kids. My husband was already traveling to Texas and coming home on the weekends. So I had to make arrangements to go to meetings. I did get a sponsor right away. I actually started the food plan in the middle of the day. Um, I didn't count that as my first uh, day of abstinence, but my friend, there was a scale in the cafeteria and she took me and we weighed everything. And I actually had abstinent lunch and dinner that day. And I had never started anything in the middle of the day. It was always tomorrow, next week, after this holiday, after that party, after this trip, blah, blah, blah. It was never in the right now. And she said, let's go. And I was ready. I was just ready. And G-O-D, gift of desperation, I had it. And I'm so, so grateful that I did because I was abstinent from the beginning. I, I thank God I was just, I was so done eating. And so I, I went to that first meeting um, with her and I started doing the program. I found it pretty hard at the beginning with the tools and I had no idea who I was talking to. I mean, I gave my sponsor a really hard time. God bless her. And she just said, do you believe that I believe? And I said, yes. And she's like, let's just start there. And so it's been slow for me, a very slow, slow, but steady building of a relationship, a personal relationship with the God of my understanding, which looks very different 
from the relationship that I had with God before. I mean, I thought God was only interested in the really big things, the catastrophes of the world, the life or death situations. I didn't think God cared about me not going to the refrigerator to eat. That really changed my thinking that I had a power with me that I could go to when I was feeling vulnerable. And I had all those years of hating myself. I just thought I was weak. I thought I had weak willpower. I didn't know I had a disease, a disease that I needed the help of a sponsor, of a fellowship, and of a God of my understanding. And so once I had that in place, it was a game changer, but it was slow, really slow. And I'm not a patient person. I wanted recovery overnight, but it did start to come. And my sponsor said to me, she said, I know you don't fully understand what you believe, but you were eating like an animal yesterday figuratively yesterday, and today you're abstinent. So something is working in your life. And it was true. I just really appreciate the tools of this program. And I know that I have a choice today. I have a choice about whether or not I choose recovery. I believe that everything I do in my day, I'm, I'm either taking a step toward the refrigerator or away from the refrigerator. And the steps that I take away are doing my quiet time, getting on my knees, you know, showing up for, for this to do service. It's the insurance that I put in the bank to protect my abstinence. And I really believe that I get to do these things. At the beginning, it felt like shackles. I had a list of all these tools and all these restrictions, and it felt so hard, but it turned into freedom for me. I no longer live um, my life around the food. I have three meals a day, which I never had before. It was a constant graze, and I don't have to think about food in between. I still write my food down, so I don't have to think about what I'm in the mood for when a meal comes. I just look at my notebook in the kitchen and, and I eat what I wrote down. And, you know, my life was good before I came into this program. I had a husband and good job and two children who were healthy and a home and I was miserable and I couldn't see the good that I have in my life today. You know, it's not that I come into FA all of a sudden my life is all pink clouds and, and roses, like hard things happen. I suffer from chronic pain. It's really challenging for me. I'm having a big flare up right now of a new, a new issue with my arms. I'm having nerve pain. And I, I had some chronic pain before program too. And I thought I deserved to eat over it. I don't know how I thought eating would make pain better. It only made it worse, literally, physically and, and mentally, because then I had two problems, the food and the pain. And today it's like, I have a choice. I don't need to eat over being uncomfortable, literally uncomfortable. I'm also kind of in a little, well, kind of a big scuffle with my mom. We're very close and I'm feeling a resentment um, toward her. And I took quiet time, extra quiet time and took a little break from talking to her. So I wouldn't say anything I didn't mean. And then I can go back and talk to her after spending some quiet time with God because I can't live with resentment today. I know that it's, that's going to take me back to the refrigerator and I don't want to go there. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this audio recording. 
To hear additional recordings or to learn more about Food Addicts and Recovery Anonymous, you can visit our website, foodaddicts.org.